Hi, this is Nathan Owens from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Tuesday evening at 7.30, we have a live call-in program discussing real-life issues from the Caribbean. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program with Dr. David Murphy, designed to answer your questions biblically in this confusing culture. Dr. Murphy has over 30 years of counseling and ministry experience here in the Caribbean and is ready to answer your questions according to truth. A very pleasant good evening to you. Thanks for taking the time out to join us here on that Truth. We do trust that you'll be able to stay with us for the entire program as we have a very controversial topic to cover tonight. It's a topic that is what we would call a hotbed topic. So I do trust that you will stay with us for the entire program. We'd like you to join in in the conversation or if you have a question for Pastor Murphy, we'd be more than glad to um, answer that question. Pastor Murphy, good evening. Uh, good evening, sir. Good to be back on that street. I'm looking forward to our conversation this evening, and I hope that we can provide some biblical answers for those people who are troubled on this topic that we're dealing with. Yes, the topic, marriage, same-sex marriage. That's the topic we'll be covering tonight. Pastor Murphy, I know it's a very controversial topic, but I do trust that the Lord will really guide us as we um, deal with this topic tonight. And I have a question for you, and the question is, attitude towards the world of sodomy is changing, and it is changing Rapidly, very fast. How do we get to this position? I think you've made a very profound statement there and a profound observation. Uh, there's no doubt that we're going through a great uh, seismic cultural shift in attitude and values. Uh, it's rapidly changing to the extent where it is at an unprecedented uh, speed. Up until the 1990s, I don't think that any one of us would ever have suggested or entertained the concept of, of same-sex marriage. But suddenly, within the last 10 years, attitudes have changed so rapidly, uh, attitudes about gender, about sexuality and marriage. And uh, we wonder, at the, we look at the pace that's happening, and um, it, it should be of great concern to the church. I remind you that up until 1973... The American uh, Psych, uh, Psychological Association had uh, labeled and defined uh, sodomy or homosexuality as a mental illness. I also remind you that it was not until 1990 that the World Health Organization removed that definition. But suddenly we're now into uh, 2018, and within a short space of time, uh, we're finding that they're not only uh, approving and endorsing and trying to normalize homosexuality, 
but it's gone even further. It's now come to the point where uh, we're talking about such matters of same-sex marriage. The attitude uh, of the world is changing. Uh, if you look at, uh, for example, uh, Americans' attitude towards this whole topic, in the 1996, for example, uh, only 27% of the United States population supported same-sex marriage. Uh, by 2013, it was 53%. And now in 2000, uh, 2014, uh, 83% of the Americans were believing that uh, within 5 to 10 years, uh, this thing would become normalized. So what seemed impossible just a few years ago uh, is now becoming normal and seems as though it's going to be inevitable tomorrow. This is a great seismic shift, cultural shift, and it should be of great concern uh, to us. I would like to remind you as well that the election of um, Obama really was the final uh, advancement of this this, this um, particular same-sex issue. He is the first sitting United States president that ever endorsed same-sex marriage. And I think uh, people may not agree with me in this statement, but I really think that he was used. I really think that he was a pawn in this whole thing. And the reason why I say that is because it became difficult to criticize Mr. Obama in uh, the American society because any uh, criticism of Mr. Obama was labeled as racist. So people who should have spoken out against this matter, was all, they were almost muted for fear that there would be repercussions and they will have these terrible labels about racism. So I think he was used uh, by the political elite in America to advance the, um, the agenda of the homosexual movement. And, of course, uh, you may remember that um, it was in 19, uh, 2003, I think, if you would call it, that um, the Supreme Court in America, by five to four, uh, completely changed the whole concept of marriage and actually legalized uh, same-sex marriage. Now, now think, about, think of this for just a moment. The vote was five to four on the Supreme Court. So five men decided for 370 million people that marriage could now be redefined and that uh, it now would embrace the concept of same-sex marriage. If this is not madness, I don't know what is. How can just five men decide for 370 million people what marriage is about? But times are changing, and uh, no, there's no doubt about it that we are headed towards the, the final phase of the end times, and the moral situation is weakening, and uh, we can expect even worse. Uh, I would just like to mention as well, it was Justice Anton Scalia that warned the Supreme Court judges when he gave his dissenting view on the matter that this was the Supreme Court aligning itself with the homosexual agenda and that it had serious repercussions. Now we are beginning to see those repercussions. By 2013, um, there are 16 states that legalize same-sex marriage in America. And within a very short space of time, we have begun to see that this is a global agenda and it's being pushed on third world countries and we are being bullied uh, by these Western powers to adopt to their social policies. It is something that is should concern us. Um, it has serious repercussions for the future and I don't think it's something that we can lay down and let just happen without some kind of recourse uh, to either to object against it, march against it, uh, speak against it, preach against it, and if it necessary be civil disobedience. But I don't think this thing should be taken laying down. I think the church has a responsibility to stand up for biblical uh, truth, and what greater truth is there 
than the truth about marriage as established by God in the book of Genesis. So then, Pastor Murphy, the Bible said that the sin of man shall wax worse and worse. And this is what we see um, playing out today. And also, the Bible said, in the days of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Brother, well said. I, I think that uh, those who study the Bible, who knows the Bible, who's familiar with biblical prophecy, we know that we, there will be a reversion version to uh, former state, especially in regards to what pertained just prior to the flood. The flood is a type of the great wrath of God that's going to be poured out prior to our Lord establishing his millennial kingdom. And our Lord warned that we would revert to those former state, that former state, especially in regard to Sodom and Gomorrah. Let me just say this. We are in the era of heightened human rebellion, the arrogance of human autonomy and trying to be God. Uh, and, um, and, of course, behind this, this thinking, behind this, um, this arrogance, are the philosophy of naturalism, that there's no God, that everything happened out, out of natural causes. And, of course, humanism, which puts man at the center, that man decides what is right and what is wrong, and man orders society. And out of that has come this relativism, uh, as far as morality is concerned, where there's, there's no, there's no, there are no absolutes. And uh, society sets the norms, sets the, the morality. We are in a decadent time, and uh, we as a church need to be aware of how late it is on God's calendar and be awakened to what we're about to face. But we must not take these things lying down. We ought to fight these issues, and we ought to take a stand for truth. Thank you, Pastor Murphy. You know, to condemn same-sex marriage is seen as discriminatory. And how do you see this? Well, let me put it this way. Uh, I think the word uh, discrimination is a very emotive word. Um, anytime you use that term, it, it seems to carry with it some form of negativity. And uh, we need to be very careful to understand that the word discrimination is a good word. Not all discrimination is wrong. In fact, there are some forms of discrimination that are appropriate and right and necessary. Uh, for example, we discriminate when we decide of who can have sex. What age we can have sex? We're discriminating. We're, we're setting boundaries. Uh, and we're using our judgment saying that uh, sex before 16 is a criminal act. But that's a form of discrimination. Uh, we decide how you dress when you go to the immigration department. You can't turn up in the immigration department here in Antigua in any in scanty um, where your body is exposed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, there are certain uh, rules and regulations. That is a form of discrimination. We decide who can be a member of the church. That's discrimination. You know, if, when you think about it, we decide who practices medicine in Antigua. There are people who have medical degrees who can't practice medical. That is discrimination if you look at it. What I'm saying to you is that we must not allow the term and the negativity associated with the term and the emotions uh, associated with the term uh, to, to, to make us believe that to say that something is wrong or we don't approve of something or something is unscriptural, we must not be worried about that word discrimination. What we should be worried about is aligning ourselves with biblical truth. If anyone feels that is discriminatory, so be it. But we must take a stand on these matters. If we don't take a stand uh, on, uh, against same-sex marriage, the, the question is where it's headed, because it doesn't end with same-sex marriage. Um, I, I am going to predict that if you approve same-sex marriage, there's no way you could prevent polygamy. And then there are people talking about something called polyamory, which means that uh, uh, several married pe people, several people can now intermarry and have relations with each other on, on a broad scale. 
Where does it end? And then, uh, how are you going to prevent uh, pedophilia ultimately? Is that not a form of discrimination? And then, what about the gross bestiality the Bible condemns? Where, where do you draw the line? So to say that it is discriminatory is to take that term and abuse it and uh, um, make it as though uh, every form of discrimination is wrong. So we need to be not afraid of the terms and the title that label us. What we are concerned about is truth. What does the Bible say? What does God say? I'm not terribly concerned about what other people say on these matters because we represent God. Uh, God is sovereign of this universe. He's the Lord. This is His earth. He sets the standard. He has the norms. And it's just our responsibility to submit to those norms that God has set. So I'm not afraid of the term discrimination. And I don't think it is discrimination. It is bringing uh, morality in line with the biblical norm. And uh, so I don't see it as discrimination in, in the sense that it is something bad or something hurtful. We're trying to protect society and civilization. If you had one generation of same-sex marriage and there was no other form of marriage, civilization collapses. There's no children to be produced. So um, I am not at all um, intimidated by the term. I'm not at all going to um, change my position because I'm labeled that way. I embrace the concept wholeheartedly. Because, as I said, this is about truth. This is not about emotion. Uh, this is not about human opinion. This is about what does God say on the issue. You're listening to That's Truth, and you're tuned to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. Tonight, we are discussing marriage, same-sex marriage. Pastor Murphy, same-sex marriage, is it just one of those issues that we should learn to tolerate in a free and open society? Should the church speak out or stay silent? There's absolutely no way the church can remain silent on a topic of this nature. This is an attack at the very foundation of civilization and society. Homoerotic relationships is not only immoral, it's ungodly. So the church cannot be seen to be endorsing something that is both immoral and ungodly. I, I would like to say, to, 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 to uh, remind you that man did not invent marriage. Psychiatrists, I mean, um, Sociologists would tell us that uh, man created marriage for certain pragmatic and economic and uh, relational uh, reasons. But that's not the biblical model that we have. Marriage is something that God designed, that God planned, and God gave to man. So he's the one that sets what marriage is, not man doesn't decide that. So uh, it's virtually impossible for us to remain silent on an issue like this. Uh, let me ask a question. Think of the consequences of not only endorsing this, but allowing it to go through and becoming law in a country. Look at the repercussions it had for the baker in America and the photographer in America. What repercussions is it going to have down here in the Caribbean? So it's not just a, a, slight, a slight matter. Do we want to see our boys adopted by homosexual men? Uh, do we want to see our girls adopted by uh, lesbians? Is that the kind of society that we want? Uh, so it, it is not as, as simple a matter as people think. It has serious repercussions. I, I have said this before, and it needs to be said again. The church needs to prepare itself for a period of both persecution and imprisonment because we will not be silent and we will not accept, will never accept any person, any, any marriage as, uh, as, as a true marriage that involves um, two females or two men. That may be called a marriage by the state, but it is not a marriage. It's not acknowledged by God, and it will not be acknowledged by the church. And, and therefore, we cannot be silent on this issue. And if we are silent, 
we are surrendering and capitulating to the pressure of the world and adopting ourselves uh, to conform to this world. And we cannot do that as a church. And silence would be consent. Exactly. Pastor Murphy, what, in your judgment, is the crucial issue at heart if the cultural debate about same-sex marriage Look, the, the crucial issue here that trying to decide on this whole matter has to do with how we define marriage. What is real marriage? I repeat, the state has no right to tangle or stretch or distort or change or alter what God has given to us in Scripture. This, that is beyond the, the, the state's pale of authority. The state doesn't make law or make, make marriage. The state recognizes marriage. Uh, so, but I think what, what is crucial is to understand what marriage is. No two women can have a valid marriage and no two men can have a valid marriage because it is outside the pale of the definition of marriage. So I think two things are crucial. We have to understand what's the purpose of marriage and then how how does the Bible define marriage in itself. Now, for those of you who think that we're trying to uh, impose a biblical position on a society that is secular, that's exactly right. We believe that in a secular society... And by the way, do we not often claim that we are a Christian society? It's not the Western world based on Christian principles or laws, etc., etc. So it's not an imposition. As a matter of fact, what is an imposition today is a secular view that has ramped up itself in the past uh, uh, century or so and now begins to impose itself on a, a Christian ideology and a Christian way of thinking. Uh, so the Western world was born out of the bowels, as it were, out of the wound of Judeo-Christian principles. Now what we have today is a secular world that is trying to undo uh, that heritage and that history. So I think when it comes to this whole matter, the heart of it has to be how do we define marriage, what is marriage, and what's the purpose of marriage. If we can establish that, then we can get rid of the emotion and we can now have a rational debate as to what really constitutes marriage and whether or not same-sex marriage would be valid. And I think that's the issue at heart. What is marriage and what's the purpose of marriage? Well, they would say that we um redefining marriage today other than the way that God had um, instituted it in the book of Genesis. Well, look, uh, as I, I pointed out a moment ago, we are living in a period of time in which human conceit and human arrogance has reached its zenith. Man is breaking away from the shackles of God, the shackles of Scripture. Man wants to be an autonomous being, totally independent of God, independent of Scripture. This is not something that just started the advent of the uh, evolution and Darwin. And this began the whole decline and downslide. And now we are coming to the climax of it. But when God is completely ignored and, and God is completely shelved, anything is possible in society. If you doubt that, go to the book of Judges. Uh, Judges warns that, um, that every man did that which was right in his own sight. I think this is where we're headed. Uh, and because we, we no longer have a structure of morality, we in the Western world used to have structure. We had a foundation, biblical foundation, Judeo-Christian foundation. We knew morality. We knew what was right, what was wrong. We all had a common core values. Uh, with the doing away of God and the obliteration of Scripture, we now have a superstructure that has no foundation. And if you have a superstructure without foundation, everything is going to collapse. It's just a matter of time, and it is collapsing before our very eyes uh, today, and we know we're headed to a massive catastrophe. It's inevitable. Thank you, Pastor Murphy. Mark Christopher, author of the book, Same-Sex Marriage, and I quote, Same-Sex Marriage is not about marriage. It is about destroying the traditional Christian idea of family. Question is, 
is the family and marriage as God intended it to be heading for destruction. Well, look, uh, let me put it this way. Do you know the people today advocating that we just do away with marriage? See, see when, you, when you give in and keep giving in and keep um, surrendering and surrendering and, sur- and capitulating and capitulating, these people demand more and more because the ultimate plan is to totally destroy any concept of, of marriage. This is an attack on the home. It's an attack on the family. It's a very attack on civilization. This is, this is a moral anarchy. And uh, clearly, it will not end here. And uh, th- those who are perpetrating this movement and who are advocates for this movement, they have an ultimate agenda to actually destroy any concept of the traditional home and the biblical understanding of the family. Pastor, we have a question here from a listener of first question for tonight. It's a WhatsApp message. Can an individual in a same-sex marriage also be a Christian? That's the question. Uh, that anyone should ask that question to my mind is, is, is mind-boggling. How can anybody um, go into a same-sex relationship and claim to be a Christian? It doesn't exist. We have made Christianity something that it is not. Christianity is about holiness and godliness. Uh, it, it's a, how can we deliberately know something is biblically wrong, sinful, that God abominates it, and then deliberately go into it and still retain our endorsement that we're Christians? The problem with us is that we don't know what a Christian really is. And uh, we, have, we have churches today that are very, very tolerant towards this form of sin. And, of course, there are churches today, denominations that uh, have men in positions as pastors, as leaders uh, within the church who are known homosexuals and, and known lesbians. We are in a time of what they call the apostate church. The book of Revelation is called this time the time of the Laodicean church, where a church will have a name that's alive, but it is dead. And I would like to say this, there's absolutely no way that I can conceive that a person claiming to be a Christian could go into a same-sex relationship. I would say to that person, your conversion is suspect, your faith is suspect. And uh, I need to remind you what Paul says in the book of Corinthians chapter 6, be not deceived, God is not mocked. And Paul says, I warn you that they that practice these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be misled in this matter. So I, I cannot believe, and I will not. I do not believe they're homosexual Christians. I do not believe they're homosexual lesbians. I believe these are professed people, but they are not genuine, authentic Christians. They are fakes. That's my view. We are covering the topic tonight: marriage and same-sex marriage. Pastor Murphy, progressive activists in the U.S. have argued strenuously in recent years that giving homosexual the legal right to marry will improve life for homosexual couples and will consequently benefit society as a whole. Does this kind of lifestyle affect our society for good or evil? That clearly um, is not in line with the facts uh, as far as the homosexual lifestyle is concerned. Um, Maybe um, I might need to come back again to remind the public. The homosexual is a walking museum of diseases. Uh, if I were to give you the statistics, especially in California, uh, where it is so rampant, the average homosexual doesn't live beyond 50 years old. Uh, the average homosexual in his lifetime would have between 100 and 500 partners. How is that going to help society? How is that going to be an example to society? I, I think that we have people who have a skewed understanding of these matters. We have people who really 
themselves are practicing homosexuals and therefore they are advocates for it. Uh, the problem is that we don't know who. In America, for example, within the political arena, you can go on the website and, and, and call up homosexual uh, people in government. And it was astound you how many people in the American government are homosexuals. So this is a personal thing that they're advocating for because it's part of their lifestyle. We need to wake up to understand that nothing that is ungodly can ever be helpful to society. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to a nation. So there's no benefit to endorsing a homosexual marriage. What benefit could there be? The moment you legalize same-sex marriage, you now have to give those people the right to adoption. Can you can you think of what it means for a homosexual two males to adopt a little boy because they have to perpetuate the system? How are they going to do it? They have to start early by uh, indoctrinating this into the child. And also, remember that homosexuals are learned behavior. It's not a genetic problem. It's a learned behavior. And it starts very early. And that is where, imagine two ladies adopting a young girl. Imagine the, 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 the nastiness of that involved in this whole matter. So I, I, I can never see, I do not agree with it. I think those that are making those statements do not give the facts. If we want to have a debate on this matter, uh, again, to get at the facts of what the statistics are in terms of the diseases that are common among the homosexual and the practice of the homosexual, because I think if the, Amer- if the uh, Antiguan public really understood what goes on between homosexuals, I think the repulsion would be so, so extensive that I think the public himself would turn against the practice of homosexuality, but now to further endorse it and then give them the legal rights of uh, to adopt children and uh, et cetera, et cetera. I think we're headed for real trouble, and I don't see in any way how this helps society. However, I would like to say this: I do not believe in violence towards the homosexual, and I I, I think the the matter of the criminality of homosexuality is something that the government needs to look at as well. But I do not endorse it as a lifestyle. It is wrong. It is evil. But we're not here advocating that we become homophobic and, and so that we de- develop a lot of hatred and, and mistreatment of the homosexual. The homosexual ought to be treated as an ordinary citizen ought to be treated in terms of his courtesies. But treating him in, in those areas does not mean that I endorse his morality. Uh, I think even, a, 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 even a, a murderer should be treated with dignity. A thief should be treated with dignity. Uh, so we're not talking about endorsing uh, what they do, but they should be treated with respect because they're made in the image of God. But that does not mean that we endorse what is clearly wrong and evil and ungodly, and uh, which is totally immoral. Uh, I think it would be a mistake for society to do that. Okay, we have a WhatsApp message from a listener online. I have a question. The Bible sanctions slavery, which thankfully we now recognize as deeply evil and wrong. If we've rejected what the Bible says about slavery, why not what it says about homosexuality too? I can see that the the, the person who sent that in really is very misinformed. And I can see the narrative uh, that is designed, uh, what was the whole purpose of it. Let me just say this. The Bible did not sanction uh, slavery. It regulated slavery. And that is something that people need to understand. Just like the Bible did not sanction uh, polygamy, but it regulated polygamy. So to say that the Bible um, demanded slavery, uh, it's false. As a matter of fact, it is only because of the Bible you don't have slavery today. Because once the biblical principles begin to be understood that man was made in the image of God and the level of equality, 
uh, and that your, your brothers in Christ, and that there's one Lord. Those were the inevitable principles that led people like Wilberforce and Granville Sharp and all the other Christians to fight against slavery. So I know that the Bible has slavery in it. But it's not that the Bible... Take divorce. There's divorce in the Bible. But God never intended divorce. He regulated divorce. But it doesn't mean he sanctioned divorce. What he did, he found men in society with a certain social, uh, a certain way of dealing with matter, whether it be marriage, whether it be slavery, whatever it is. And he regulated that to ensure that it was controlled to the extent that it was not any longer brutal. Go to the book of Leviticus, etc., etc., and see the regulations that were given there. If the, if the master were to hit a slave and, uh, and knock out his eye, there were consequences. Uh, it could only be a servant for uh, seven years, and then the six years, and then the seven, he had to be set free. Uh, if he had children, he could be set free with the children. So what it did really is that it's just like the law of lex talionis, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. <laughs> the Lord is not saying, if a man hit you, hit him back. But he's regulating what you can do. He's saying you can't go beyond what is done to you. But it's not as though he's saying to you that you must hit back. So I think what has happened to us is that we follow the narrative by a group who are clearly anti-scriptural, anti-God, anti-Christ, and uh, they are trying to find things, but they don't understand scripture itself. And therefore they are distorting what the Bible teaches on these matters. But to say that it sanctioned it, I would say to you, you're mistaken. It regulated it to make it more just whether that be slavery, whether that be divorce, whether that be polygamy. Everything the Bible uh, is in the Bible doesn't mean that the Bible sanctions it or that it is supposed to be prescriptive. Sometimes it's just descriptive. What is there, and then God put regulations to make sure that they're not uh, extremes and abuse. That's exactly what. I would like to debate the matter of slavery at some point in time on, on this program to, to really let the public understand this whole thing of the Bible because I think that this is a systematic attack to undermine Christianity and to undermine biblical faith. And it needs to be corrected because it's a false narrative by those who are advocates for advocates against the Bible and against the Scripture and against the Christian faith. It's a false narrative. Thank you very much, Pastor Murphy. Probably along the same line, we don't follow many Old Testament laws today. Example, the laws of having sex while a woman is menstruating or eating certain types of food. So why should we accept what the Old Testament say about same-sex relation? Are we being hypocritical? No, we're not being hypocritical. We understand that when it came to the death of Christ, it dealt, dealt with a lot of the uh, ceremonial and, and, and civic laws that were placed under the economy of law. But when it comes to the moral principles of Scripture, those are still relevant today. We don't do away with the moral principles of the Bible. We do away with the ceremonial and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And by the way, I still think it's improper for a person to engage in sex while a woman is going through a menstrual period. So I don't know where you're coming from. It's, not, it's unhealthy, as a matter of fact. So whether you practice it or other people practice it in material, but I do think it is, it is something that uh, should not be practiced. And I, I do think that it is not something that is totally obliterated. Uh, so to use that argument, no, when it comes to like food, etc., the Bible come, in the New Testament sheds light on those matters. And, and, and therefore, there are certain things under the Old Testament economy of law that were done away when Christ died on the cross. Uh, the New Testament explains that. 
So to say that uh, because certain things are no longer practiced today, therefore uh, it, ought, it gives us the right to change uh, the concept of marriage, etc. It, it's, it's, it's really a, an argument that is illogical, and uh, in my judgment, it, it, it doesn't give credence to the concept that biblical morality, whether in the Old Testament or New Testament, are still relevant today, and that hasn't changed. May, may I say something else here? What we need to understand uh, today is, if we want to understand what God wants and what God wants, we have to find out what God intended. And that is where, when we want to find out what marriage, we go back to the beginning of marriage. So we understand what was God's intent for marriage. That's how we, we are living in a fallen world. It's a broken world, sexually broken, morally broken. It's completely broken. But there's a redemptive part that started with the, the, the death of Christ, where God is trying to restore and renew. Uh, and uh, I would suggest to a person, anytime we want to find out what, what marriage is about, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and whether or not we should still maintain the biblical model of marriage, we've got to go back to God's original intent. Because Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 19, when he was asked the same question about marriage, he took them back to Genesis to say, this is what, it was not so from the beginning. And he brought them back to God's original intent. The goal of the church is to bring people to go back to God's original intent. God is trying to renew man. He will one day renew planet earth. But this earth is cursed under judgment. And what he is doing now is calling out a people unto himself and renewing those people. And uh, we, as Christians, are trying to get the kingdom of God established. We do that by getting men converted we're not going to change this world and make it a Christian world. It's not going to be that way. But we must stand up for the truth. And we must use our influence as believers to move man back to God's original intent. That should be the goal. You're listening to That's Truth. And we are covering the topic tonight, same-sex marriage and marriage. And Pastor Murphy, we have another WhatsApp message from a listener. How should the church respond to help same-sex attended Christians? Now, again, I think that's a misnomer. There's no such thing as same-sex attended Christians. Uh, so I, I think we have, a, we have an issue here. We are saying that the Bible tells me something very clearly. He that is born of God does not habitually practice sin. Now, it's, that verse is either correct or it's false. So how is it possible for a person to know that the Bible disapproves of this lifestyle and they habitually practice sin? I have a question about people who practice those things and then claim to be a Christian. Moreover, does not Paul say in Corinthians chapter 6 that they that practice these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Does not Paul say, be not deceived? God is not mocked on these matters. So I think that person is challenging scripture to know something is wrong and continue to practice that. So I don't, I, my opinion is this, anyone in the church who attends a church or claims to be, for example, no same-sex couple could be a member of our church. And I would hope of no church in Antigua. That doesn't mean they cannot attend the church. They can attend the church, but they can never become members because we require conversion to become members. And conversion involves a change of lifestyle. You cannot be saved except you repent and believe. To believe without repentance is not genuine salvation. So that person needs to repent and believe. And what we have done to the detriment of Christianity is that we have so much emphasized this concept of belief and ignored repentance that we have many people in the church today who don't have a clue about what real, genuine, authentic salvation is about. So I would say to the, the, the person who sent in that question, uh, number one, I will treat them as not, uh, not being a believer. 
I would try to get them converted. That's the first thing I would do. Secondly, uh, there are certain th- things that you would have to put in place uh, as far as counseling those people. Uh, there had to be a change of, of our relationships, maybe a change of environment. I'm not too sure what are the logistics of why this person got and caught in this kind of situation, but they need help. There has to be a sense of accountability. There has to be some kind of mentoring. And, of course, you need to take Scripture to counsel them in this regard. Listen, homosexuals and people involved in same-sex relationship are not hopeless. They're not hopeless. They can be changed, they can be transformed, and they can change. But it will take the power of God and the counsel of Scripture to bring about that change. It just can't happen. So there is help for the same-sex person. There's help for the homosexual. But that help doesn't come by endorsing his lifestyle. Pastor Murphy, it's either listeners are not hearing you or they are not agreeing with you. We have another question similar to the previous one. And let me read it again. How should the church help or respond to people who call themselves homosexual and attend church? Well, let me answer that question again. The person who claims to be a homosexual, whether it be a lesbian, and attends church, you can't help people unless they see the need for help. The best thing the pastor can do in a case is to preach the word. Preach the word. Let the people understand what the Bible teaches on these types of subjects. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the agent of change. He takes the word, which is the sword of the Spirit, and he convicts. So there has to be some level of conviction that what that person is doing is wrong. We cannot help a person who sees nothing wrong with their lifestyle. And we're not the agents that bring about that conviction. It's the Spirit. But the Spirit needs a tool to use. And that's why we don't avoid biblical passages because of certain people who attend the church, lest we offend them. We preach the whole counsel of God. So I would say to you, uh, preach the word with the hope that that person will come to the point of conviction. When that person recognizes God's truth on this matter and desires help, they can turn to the pastor or to the church and the deacons and say, look, I need help in this regard. That now needs a process of dehabituation. And this is where now a person is addicted. He's a sexual addict. But he's a sexual addict for same sex. And could I say this? We are in the process, the Baptist ministry here in Antigua, the Independent Baptist, we are in the process of starting an addiction ministry. We are trying to get um, a resident program, both for males and females. We are in contact with a group in the States called Reformers Unanimous. Uh, they deal with all forms of addiction. It's a Christian uh, Baptist um, association. Their success rate is phenomenal. In the resident program, their success rate is 95% dealing with addicts, whether it be sexual addicts, whether it be drug addicts, whether it be gambling addicts, uh, whatever it is. And then their non-resident program, their success rate is about 75%. Uh, we, we have gotten land from the government already. The problem is that we the, everything drags on with government. It takes so long. But we are in the course of, of getting an addiction center to help people in these years. And we want to offer what is called a gratis service. We want to be in a situation where anyone in Antigua that's on drugs, sex addict, gambling addict, uh, you just name it. Whatever form of addiction, we want to be able to help that person break that dependency syndrome and that habit. And uh, we will have forms of therapy. Uh, one of the main needs would be, be the counseling of scripture, prayer, intercession. And uh, we will also help that person, depending on the the educational level of the person, especially drug addicts, uh, 
to become proficient in five areas, English, math, IT, um, social studies, and business. And then we want to give that person a trade so that he doesn't have to revert back to the addiction. So we are we recognize there's a problem. It's one thing to talk about a problem and to voice your opinion on the problem, but how do you solve the problem? So I, I'm not in the habit of telling people that um, something is wrong and, and they need help without trying to uh, source that help or try to get that help. But for the past two years, we have been in the process of trying to get this addiction center started. And the government has uh, give, uh, leased us some land. The problem is the red tape involved in all of this matter. I was just in the States recently where I was able to get um, uh, a group called CWE uh, indicated that they'll be willing to help us with the buildings. But again, the speed at which things happen in Antigua is abysmally slow. And that's the reason why we haven't started something in this matter, because we believe that every addict, whether it be a homosexual, whether it be a lesbian, whether it be a drug addict, whether it be um, a person addicted to technology, uh, games, uh, gambling, um, whatever it is, voyeurism, pornography, we believe that person needs help, and we are prepared to do whatever is required to get help for that person so they have freedom and liberty. You know what the Bible says? It's the truth that will set you free. And that is central to our form of therapy, that biblical truth, with the help of the Holy Spirit, can break any bondage that a person is, is under and set that person free and liberate that person. And we continue on our program tonight as we are discussing the topic, marriage and same-sex marriage. Pastor Murphy, why should God and the Bible be part of the ongoing debate? I thought I mentioned a moment ago that this world is God's world. This is not man's world. God is sovereign. Um, if you if you just acknowledge that God is a creator, our creatures, uh, all creatures ought to submit to God. So the whole idea that uh, we exclude God out of the debate and we keep religion within the church, I, I really can't understand how Christians would even countenance that idea. Christianity pervades the entire um, spectrum of life. Once you become a Christian, you're not just a Christian in church, you're a Christian at work, you're a Christian in your marriage, you're a Christian in society. You ought to bring your Christian influence upon uh, wherever you are. So we, we, we don't compartmentalize our lives and say, this is our religious life, this is our business life, this is our economic life, this is our marital life, etc., etc., this is our civic life. Uh, Christianity pervades everything. we got to decide what kind of a society we want. I repeat, the Western world, the foundation for Western civilization is Judeo-Christian principles. No one can look at the laws of Antigua, the laws of the Western world, without understanding that those laws are fundamentally based on Scripture. The, the problem today is that we've become secularized. With the rise of Darwinism, where he, he made it possible for man to believe, uh, even though the, Darwinism is full of hypotheses, uh, it is speculation, pure speculation. And even though the evidence against evolution is so strong that today it is, almost, it, is, it is almost a dead philosophy and a dead theory. Uh, even scientists are now coming back, coming to this context of that there's a great design, an intelligent design, because the, 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 the unraveling of the, of the DNA molecule has shown man clearly that it could not just happen. The sequence of information is so phenomenal and so detailed that they know it's not something just an accident. But the problem with it, having asserted 
that evolution was the was, was true. Now to retract that is the dilemma the scientists find themselves in. So they go on in blind belief, holding on to something they know has no substantial evidence to prove, and they would not retract uh, because their credibility is on the line. Uh, and I think when it comes to Western civilization, we have to decide what we want as a society. Look at what is happening to Europe. Is that what we want? Is that what we want in, in Europe? Look at what is happening to England. Is that what we want? Look at what is now happening to America. Is that what we want as a society? Uh, I think the, the this is why I'm saying, I've said this before and I need repeating. Any change in the marriage laws of Antigua should require a referendum. It should not be uh, a, a, um, a matter of uh, uh, a judicial decision that is made uh, in, in a room with just a few handful of people to make that, then it becomes a binding on the entire society. Look what happened to America. Five out of four, nine Supreme Judges, five said same-sex marriage is, is the, should be normal, and now what? Five men decided for what is 370 million people. If that makes sense to you, uh, I think there's some school loose somewhere. And I think that we need to understand that... Um, if we want to claim that we are Christians, now if you want to have a secular society, uh, that's up to you. But as far as the Antiguan public are concerned, and generally within the Caribbean, we hold to our Christian principles. We want more of a Christian society than a secular society. So I think the debatable... And by the way, you cannot have morality without God. You cannot have morality without The moment you do away with God, morality goes. And that's what's been happening in the Western world. And, and by the way, I was—I just had a, um, a visiting team from the states here, and uh, I was speaking to a pastor. Do you know what's happening now in the Western world? And this shocked me. He said the Christian church numbers are are decreasing, but the Muslim numbers are are, are increasing. And I, I told him, I said, I understand why Christianity become anything to anybody. It becomes so loose. Uh, people who want standards and, and values and morals and want a framework for life, people want that. The pendulum is now swinging, but it's not swinging. Christianity is not moving people back to standards. It's becoming anything to anybody. And people who see that this cannot be right, they're now turning to a system that gives them some order and standards and rigidity. Uh they know, they recognize that you can have freedom, but you must have freedom within form. That used to be in the Western world. That's now virtually gone because morality is gone. God is gone. Thank you, Pastor Murphy. We've been talking a lot about homosexual marriage. But what is the purpose of marriage? What was God's intention? Well, the, the way you find that out again, and I, we, we do exactly what our Lord did. When our Lord was asked this very question about marriage and divorce, he took the people back to Genesis. Because it's in the context of Genesis, we understand uh, what God's intent was in relation to marriage. Let me uh, mention several things that stands out in Genesis. One of the things that stands out, that marriage clearly is meant for companionship. Uh, it says in, in Genesis that God said it's not good for man to be alone. So whatever marriage is, it has to do with companion, and companionship motivates and brings couples together. 
So one of the elements of marriage is, but companionship is not ex- the exhaustive purpose for marriage. It's just one of several. The second uh, purpose you find in Genesis of marriage is God said, I'm creating a woman to be a helpmeet. Marriage is about people complementing each other. It's about people working in, 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 in partnership. And God created a suitable helper for Adam. Now remember that before God created Eve, what he did was to parade all the animals before uh, Adam. And he said that uh, after God had done that, they had not found one that was suitable for Adam. And then God took Adam, put him to a sleep, and created the woman out of Adam. And, and uh, so that is the partner. But she was said to be suitable or help me, one that complements uh, Adam. So it's not just about companionship, it's about each other complement. And then marriage is about children. Uh, the Bible makes it quite sure that God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Any concept of marriage that excludes children is a perversion of the biblical concept. It's essential to marriage that children be a part and factored in. Thanks, Pastor Murphy. We have now come to the end of the program. I'm sorry, listener, that we didn't get the time to answer your question. We had a question here from a listener. But it's the same on um, the same-sex marriage. So we would like to thank you very much for being a part of the program. For those who have participated by sending in your WhatsApp question, we do appreciate it. And we do trust that you will join us next week, God's willing, when we'll be back with that Truth. Good night, and may God bless you. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's Truth. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth, Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kilohertz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.